Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe, MDV, and I discuss Gabe's recent experience at a sheepdog response course. It was his first time ever doing jujitsu. We discuss how did his fitness prepare him for that? What are some lessons learned, some takeaways, and is he going to start practicing more jujitsu? We also talk about this idea of as you take additional courses, you know, we're in the service-based industry. What can we learn from taking other courses? How can we see what their coaches do well, maybe areas of opportunity for their coaches, and how we could then embody that in our business? Of course, we finish it off by talking about EOE 40, our takeaways from 40 days of eating clean, getting 40 minutes of movement, and keeping that clean sink. So make sure you check out this episode. I love talking to Gabe and MDV. We always have a great time. If you're enjoying these episodes, let us know. Hit us up on social and tell us what you're looking for. Maybe you have a question. Maybe we could dive into it on our next episode. So hit us up on IG. Make sure you leave us a rating or review on this episode. And let's keep crushing it in the gym and outside the gym. Let's go. Gabe has officially became a sheepdog. Uh, let's, uh, let's get rolling, man. Today's conversation, we're talking about fitness, combat, BJJ, but really it was inspired by Gabe Yanez going to a course, uh, called Sheepdog Response, uh, really head up the, the, the organization head up by, uh, Tim Kennedy, who, for those people who don't know Tim, he is, a uh, like literally, I, I think the best asterisk is like badass, you know, entrepreneur, special forces, uh, UFC fighter, BJJ black belt. Like he has literally all the credentials to just be looked at as a very, very, uh, tough human being. And you got to meet him, Gabe, you got to take his course and, uh, you had some big takeaways. So I think that's a major topic we want to talk about because you just got done doing it. And, um, I'm just, it's good to see you guys. It's good to see you guys. It's day 39 of UE 40. We're almost done eating meat and fruit. And, uh, I'm excited for a piece of pizza. <laughs> We definitely have to touch on that before we before we wrap up. But yeah, Jay, I, I you know I thought it'd be fun to you know kind of uh, appease you guys a little bit with um, some BJJ talk. You know, I, I know that obviously you guys are super passionate about it, and you know I give you guys a hard time because I'm usually in the outs of these conversations. But um, you know, I finally dove into that world a little bit different because it's not like I went for and I was just talking about this before we hit record. It very much wasn't meant to be like. A, oh, intro free trial class or a free week to like BJJ. It was very different in that. So the whole purpose of this course that Tim Kennedy runs, the Sheepdog Response Protector One course, and they have a whole series of course courses is um, like tactical awareness and preparedness. And, you know, it, it's something that ever since we moved to Texas, you know, we went to a gun range. Uh, Ariel took me a while back and we've just you know, enjoyed shooting for a, a variety of reasons. I think, you know, Ariel actually, and it's funny that she says this, she enjoys it as like a very kind of like, like therapeutic experience where like, you know, you have to focus on your breathing and like be present. And it's also nice because I was surprised that she would enjoy it as much as she does. And it's something that we do together. Um, so for me, taking the course was kind of a combination of two things. One, the fact that I have been interested particularly by you guys to at least see what you know bjj is all about and i knew that that was going to be a component of this the second reason was you know there there was a pretty extensive kind of like shooting and marksmanship component that is just something we've been interested in and i really liked tim kennedy i've been following him for a while i think he puts out amazing content and you know he has a very good why behind the courses he puts out and we were also excited that because it was a couples only course, which is actually the first time they did this. Um, and it was here in our backyard in Austin. Um, we were looking forward to kind of meeting some people um, and it being a good way to, you know, kind of find some, some like-minded couples that, that would be in the area, which we did end up meeting. So that was, that was really cool, but man, it was an experience. And I think you guys will get a kick out of, you know, a couple of the stories that, that came out of the weekend. You might as well just get right into it. I mean, I mean, you met another couple. I don't know what you guys, you know, hey, hey, teach oh, his own, right? But, oh, but man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, what, was anyway. the, what was the um, what was the vibe like among the participants? So that 
the, from what I've seen on social media with this course, they can be pretty intense um, and obviously meant to be intense for a number of reasons, you know, giving you situational awareness, putting you onto the, the mats and uh, the, the BJJ scenario or a, attack scenario. And then also a lot of the shooting. What was like the vibe going into it? Like, what was the feeling of the crowd? Was it nervous? Was it anxious? What was it? So a lot of the men at the course had taken the course before and were kind of using this couples only opportunity to like, you know, introduce their significant others to it, which I thought was super interesting. So it was funny because the first day, one of the first things that we did was we went around the room and you didn't introduce yourself, but you actually introduced your spouse, um, which was kind of a, a fun way to do it. And because it was Valentine's Day weekend, like the common theme and funny story was that, you know, a lot of the the husbands were, you know, hey, let's take a weekend away. Like, we'll go to Austin, like, we'll do this. And then they end up doing like this um, tactical awareness courses, which, you know, there was mixed reviews on the lady side of how excited they were to be there. Um, but it, it, it was cool. I think that it was a lot of excitement from like kind of the male side and from the significant others, it was a little bit of kind of apprehension and, and not sure what to expect. Um, but it was cool because as the weekend went on, um, you know, just to see how much people learn and how much more comfortable they got with everything we were doing was pretty cool in itself. And, you know, another thing that was a really cool experience for me, and I think it, it you know, it's very relatable to the audience for this podcast specifically is really very firmly, and I don't remember the last time I've been in this position, being put in the beginner mindset, the student mindset, and also like from an outsider looking in, observing how the four instructors, which each had their strengths and weaknesses, either did a very good job or where I think they could have done a little bit better based on all the same things that we talk about in coaching. Um, it was really interesting to see like the difference between you know, like the, the two female instructors, there was a very, very di divide in one was like an expert in the ins and outs of BJJ and like the technique, but the other instructor who was a little greener in terms of her experience in the sport, her like presence and attitude was just out of this world. And I enjoyed getting direction from her so much more and got so much more out of like her direction just because especially because so both days you start at 7am, like sharp on the dot, like 7am hits the clock and you're on the mat, you're warming up. The first day I was wearing socks. I got made fun of, told to take my socks off. So that was like rookie. Oh, rookie with mat, one. Oh, you were wearing socks on the mat? I was yeah. wearing socks on the mat. Oh, they're like, that guy. And they're yeah, like, oh. they like, you don't know better. So we're not going to give you that much of a hard time, but take your socks off. So anyway, that was like my first experience, but you're starting at 7am and we drilled from seven to 11.15 with like wow. five minutes break. But it was the entire time. It was like warm up and just like they would show you a move. Then you would go practice with your couple. And then you would kind of like swap. So you also like weren't just like I wasn't drilling with Ariel the whole time. Like, you know, you would do it with a with a guy, which is like a completely different experience. Um, and then you would move on to like the next layer of that. And then the next layer. We did that for you know, four hours plus, and then we did like the all out rolls. So it was very, very aggressive. Like it was, it was a lot. And for a lot of people, I mean, I think that obviously going into it with like the benchmark level of like fitness and also the, because I knew what the schedule was going to be like, like what we ate the day before making sure we had a really big breakfast day of, um, I think we did better than a lot of people, but I was telling Jason right before we hit record, like when I went to go change, after the course, like someone had clearly puked on the toilet, like a bunch of people, once we did the rolls afterwards, which was 10 rounds of three minute rolls. And they didn't 10 tell us rounds was, of three minute rolls after three hours of drilling on day one, on day one. And they didn't what? tell us, and they didn't tell us like, Hey, you're doing 10 rounds. They just said, we're doing three minute rounds. And it was like, all right, one, like switch one more switch one more. And like, it was really funny. And I'm sure you guys will relate to this because like in the beginning, like I, I partnered up with a guy that like, I very confident, like I am, I'm stronger than you. I am fitter than you. And it also like, he wasn't like the most experienced. He was also kind of like new to this. He had done some BJJ before, but it's not like, you know, the other black belts that were in the room. So I like went pretty hard in the beginning. Cause I didn't know how many we were going to do. And I was like, you know, like, I don't want to be like, I want to show people that, like, you know, I'm strong and I can, like, hold my own and, and do the Did stuff that we learned. Did you guys start from your knees? Lives. 
Did yeah. you guys hurt from your knees? Okay. Yeah, everything was just from your knees. And the first day, it, it wasn't about submissions at all. It was just about like getting on top. Like you just have to get in top position and stay there. And if you were on bottom position, like you have to get on top position. And then and, and that was like the point of the roles. But I went, dude, I went, I went so hard. And like I did well. But then like every time we switched, like the two people that I'd kind of eyed as like, all right, like I level up with these. This will be like good, challenging, but not crazy. Like I had already partnered up with them first. And so towards the like role number like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, were all like these 200 pound, like the instructors. And it was, it was useless. And for me, my goal at that point just became like, don't sit out because a bunch of people did like a bunch of people got to the point where they just needed to take a round. Like they, they were just on another planet and had to take a round off. Um, and for me, it was just like, all right, like you can, no matter how many rounds there are, like just stay in it and like try to do something the whole time. But it was, dude, it was, I, I haven't been, in that like type of going back to two episodes ago, red line in a long, long time. Like that so was that, red line. That, that was your red line, huh? That was there. There's no doubt about it. N nothing like dose. shut down, but um, it, it was it was interesting. That's a big dose. I mean, if you even ten by three, if you know how to manage your energy, can be can be tough depending on your opponents and your skill and all that kind of stuff. But ten by three. No, not knowing how to manage your your energy, or you go too hot too early, man. Woo! Yeah, you do a couple of three minutes rounds all, all out. So I'm, later in those last. No, I got to ask you though, Gabe. So, so just for clarity's sake, I, I you know there was about what twenty people in the room, so it was about ten couples. Is that right? Um, a little bit more. There was closer to fifteen couples, and then there were four instructors. But once we got to the roles, that's when Tim showed up with like three of his like black True. belt buddies. Oh yeah. You know, now did the guys roll with the guys and did the girls roll with the girls or was there some mutual? No, there was some mixing. Yeah. There was okay. some mixing. Um, yeah. Definitely. Definitely changes the dynamic uh, for sure. Um, if you've never had that experience with the, oh. with the opposite sex, it's very uh, unique, but I wanted to ask you. So funny story on that, funny story on that just before there was like, it had to be like round seven. It was like right after I rolled with Tim who like that was useless. And I told you he like put his hand on my face and covered my mouth and nose. And like, so now I couldn't breathe. So I'm like, I, I need a break, but I'm not going to sit out. So I literally saw Ariel and I was like, I'm going to partner with Ariel for a round so we can like, like, so I can get like a breather, but like yeah. not sit out. And as I was looking at her waiting to make eye contact, one of Tim's buddies, like literally like grabbed my arm and it was like ready. And I was like, oh, shit. So anyway, that, that happened. Because um, I was trying to use that as like a rest. Didn't. And so I, I just want to ask, like, I, I wasn't aware that this course was so like kind of floor specific. And then there's so much duration. I mean, you, you're probably on the mat for four or five hours mm -hmm. uh, total on, on each day. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, like looking back on it, do you think that the dose like it? Because I imagine there's a lot of learning lessons. Like here you are and you're having like this like, wow. I was redlined. I was exhausted. It definitely opened my eyes, right? Or do you think it was too much? Well, I mean, again, like this wasn't an intro into like doing this stuff recreationally. Like the point of the course, and maybe not so much the point, at least going into it, that we took the course was to really open your eyes to what are you going to do if shit hits the fan and like you literally have to, you know, fight for your life or defend your family or whatever that is. And so the point very much on the first day was to really show you that, you know, I feel like a lot of people think that, you know, if push came to shove, like, you know, they would just figure it out and get an adrenaline dose and be able to know what to do. And the point they were trying to get across was that if you don't know what to do, and especially in like a very high, like, you know, risk, like everything's elevated situation, you know, you can really, really be in a bad place. So I think that it, it was a very different purpose. I don't think that this should obviously be the approach to someone that is thinking about doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wants to get like a free trial class type of experience. There was definitely a point to this. And I think one thing that Tim did a really, really good job doing was once we were done, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like, you know, repeat what he said in the way that he said it, but just very, very concisely explaining why they did it the way they did it. And also like, and I think this was important for a lot of people in the room, you know, giving them 
a wake up call of like, Hey, if you did two rounds and you just couldn't even stay on the mat anymore, like that should be a wake up call. Like you have to be fit. Like you should this, like, yes, the purpose of today was to mess you up. But like, if you felt like you just couldn't hang even, you know, a quarter of the time of everyone else, like you got to get it together. Like it is important to train and, you know, it was really motivating and I hope moving for a lot of people that were there that, you know, you can't just expect this stuff to come without putting the hard work in. So I, I thought that message was really cool. And I thought that was the purpose of how we did it. Um, but no, I don't think it's, it's, it's for everyone or how people should be introduced to the sport. Uh, yeah, go ahead. MDB. No, I, I mean, I was just going to say that that's a, that's a rude awakening for, I mean, for anybody, even, even if you have a little bit of grappling experience, I think going into that and drilling for that, that long, and then, um, going after, you know, 10 rounds of three minutes with, you know, varied skilled opponents and stuff like that. That's, that's, that's impressive. That's a lot of, a lot of work yeah. for sure. I'm, for sure. I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, I got a question on it too. Go ahead, Gabe. Well, I'm curious, like you guys, you know, I, I still haven't, now I'd like to look into um, ever taking like a class at an actual gym. Like what is the usual, you know, like how often are you guys rolling? Like what, what does that look like in, yeah. in your guys' experience? So I'll start and then I'll, I'll let MDV. So every school is going to be a little bit different, similar to like the way CrossFit is. There's no like formal streamline. Um, although I think that some consistency would be good. Uh, the reality is, is that the way that the jujitsu came to be is that there's some general baselines, uh, but definitely it's up to the instructor. So in general, at most schools, most of the time, you'll do a, a, a brief warm up of some type of like jog around the mat, maybe some type of like shrimp work where you're basically on the ground, kind of warming up your hip escapes and stuff like that. And then you'll basically go over a movement of the day for about maybe 45 minutes. And then at the one hour mark, typically you'll do rolls for about 30 minutes. And those could either be from positions that maybe you worked that day from, I don't know, side control or mount, or it could be from standing or it could just be from knees like the experience you had. Typically, I would say it's like a broad strokes. Now, when I go to competition class, it's different. They drill for an hour and they train for an hour. So they drill like back and forth with an athlete, two minutes on, two minutes on, two minutes on, back and forth. So I drill on MDV. Then MDV drills on me for an hour. And then after that, we roll for an hour. And um, those ones are, 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 are very, very difficult. I mean, MDV, are, are, would how you... Op Jay, how often are you doing that? How often are you taking that class? I do the competitor's class uh, with some like, high-level guys probably about once a week. And mm -hmm. I do the one twice a week. And so I think it's a good plan. I do the other one is gi, and the competitor one is no gi, which is a completely different beast. Something Jason, to your audio. You, your audio is is garbage right now. Hot garbage audio, Khalifa. Garbage. Yeah. There it is. Now, is it yeah. now, yeah. It's, now it's better. Oh yeah. Um, so I was just go ahead, MDV. Yeah. So no, I, I think Jason laid out kind of like the uh, the difference between like the class experience and the competition class experience pretty well. I, I go to Tenth Planet Portland here. I've been really impressed by um, how they run their classes and how they run their education experience. So there's fundamental classes in which they're going through different modules over the course of two week periods based on the aspect of jujitsu that they're focusing on at the time. And in the fundamentals classes, you're focusing on the much more basic approaches to these different modules in the all levels classes. They're going through the same modules, but a little bit more advanced education about some of the positions or the movements or the, the techniques. Um, class generally runs the same that Jason was talking about quick warm up, and then you get into drilling or positional work or working the different technique that the instructor's presenting that day. Some classes will end with uh, rounds, shorter rounds so that people get the workout within the hour time period. But like Jason said, most of the time after class is over, there's an open mat period in which the athletes have the opportunity to spar or drill or stretch or go over movements uh, with partners or with the coach who's still hanging around. So that's the uh, that's the general layout. And uh, Gabe, you guys can hear me okay? Yes. Uh, I did want to ask. So, um, you know, obviously there's a major difference between gi and no gi. You did a, a no gi situation where you're basically wearing a t-shirt and shorts, um, which I think there's benefits, pros and cons to both. Um, but I am curious from a fitness perspective for anybody listening, um, I appreciate your experience and the fact that I'll be the first one to say to you, like kudos to you for getting outside your comfort zone and going and doing something like this, right? Especially in that environment where you have people that 
you know have trained more than you and you have to go in there with that kind of quote white men, white belt beginner mentality and i think there was obviously lessons learned like you shared my question is how much do you think your previous bulk of fitness work helped you because i because this is a really great uh test case you basically went from zero to a hundred real quick but you had this bulk of fitness for the last decade, two decades, whatever, with all your different triathlons and CrossFit and you name it. How much do you think that helped you compared to your peers in that particular experience? I think the biggest benefit was that no matter how much in the red I found myself, I, whereas a lot of people, you could see kind of the, the, the panic and I have to sit out, like I'm not going to be okay. I think that it's just knowing that like you will be okay. You know, like no matter how messed up I was like, because we've done this type of training in terms of like high intensity so many times, like I always knew that in the one minute break between rounds, like I, I would be fine. You know, like I never, never felt like I was close to anything kind of out of the ordinary happening because, you know, you do assault bike intervals, you do a Fran type workout, you've been there. Um, and I think that for a lot of people where this is like completely uncharted territory, there is a panic and the panic almost makes everything worse. So I think that just knowing that it's going to be okay, no matter how not okay it felt in the moment was super helpful. But I think that, and you guys know this and I'll probably appreciate this. I think that the fact that I, you know, Hey, I'm pretty strong. Hey, I'm pretty explosive actually worked against me uh, in, in this like very specific respect, because you know, one thing that clicked and that someone told me and it made a lot of sense on the second day, and I was like, hey, this would have been helpful on the first day, was that, it, you know, it's it's so much about not, you know, three minutes of being at 90%, but finding your time where you can do something explosive and try and like benefit where you are, but really to spend most of the time being as relaxed as possible and obviously not putting yourself in a position where, you know, whoever you're rolling with can get an advantage on you. But in the beginning, like I didn't know that. So I was just like, even when I, I was in a position where I couldn't do anything while I was thinking what to do, I was still like pushing my hardest or squeezing my hardest or like squirming my hardest just because like it made sense to do that. But I didn't have a plan. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just wasting energy when the person that was stronger, more experienced than me was just, you know, all their body weight was on me and they were just waiting for me to squirm enough to where they could, you know, do some other thing and put me in a shittier position. So that I think day one worked against me because I was so sure that like, Hey, I'm pretty strong. Like if I squirm hard enough, if I squeeze hard enough, if I try hard enough, I should be able to improve something, but without having a plan and being like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this as hard as I can. It was just kind of wasted energy. Yeah. And, and you know, those fitness reserves that you have, they run out as well. It's not like we have an endless well oh, yeah. of, of strength and endless well of endurance, endless well of squeeze. And, you know, when you are well of squeeze, yeah, you don't. I mean, yeah, I think that's the mistake that probably a lot of people who have a fitness background come into jujitsu with is that they rely so heavily on their strengths at the outset. And it's hard not to because you want to use your athleticism. You want to use your strength. But then all of a sudden, you know, especially if you're going against somebody who's a little bit more talented than you. They know how to use all that stuff against you and take all of your energy and essentially just make you waste it, but then also make you kind of eat eat it as well because you're just now suffering underneath this complete lack of it now. And now you have no tools anymore. You have nothing. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the saying goes like it's no one's ever going to complain about being strong and fit. Like no one that, that's not a bad thing, right? But we're talking about com a completely different application of it. And, and so Gabe, like going into this experience and obviously you had some um, situational awareness and pistol shooting, which I think is, is amazing. Uh, that's, that's a great additional skill set, of course, but while we're on the, on the subject of fitness, combat, jujitsu, did they do any stand-up striking with you or was it all groundwork? So day one was all like basic grappling and groundwork. And then day two was about, kind of applying that stuff with, you know, if someone had a knife or, or uh, a pistol on them, um, you know, essentially they wanted to focus on like what the, the, the closest proximity, like what you would do if the threat was at closest proximity. Um, and they didn't get to too much if you were like a grappling range. 
Oh, yeah, like further ranges. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, yeah, I was just curious. Um, and then based on this experience, I have to ask, does it change your perspective of how your fitness relates to self-defense? And did it like, kind of like open your eyes to exploring that more? I mean, it sounds like it might have, but I am curious because, you know, we've been in the fitness space for all these years and, and self-defense was never really talked about for a lot of years. And I think there's more conversations like this happening where there's that bridge, but did it, was it kind of like a, oh shit moment? Like, Hey, I'm this really fit guy, but I can't do this. Or is it kind of like a kind of, oh shit moment? Um, maybe a kind of, oh shit moment. I mean, I, I think this stuff is so incredibly valuable. Um, I think it's just one of those things of, you know, like me personally, like diving into it. It's just kind of one of those things of like figuring how that fits into my life and, and everything else that I have going on. But I think that there's definitely a, a much newer appreciation to kind of what goes into it and the, the, the chess piece of kind of what it is. Right. And I, I think that the really interesting thing about it was how much thinking has to happen or not even thinking, but how much repetition has to happen so that, you know, these, these things are kind of ingrained into muscle memory um, because there's no other way to, to kind of be successful in it. That's definitely interesting. I think that it's a very, very novel and challenging thing to want to be good at. Um, but, you know, that's also a reason why, man, I could see it being very, um, not addictive. I don't know if addictive is the word I want to use, but for someone like me that I, 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 if I'm going to get into something like I really like to, you know, become proficient as soon as possible, um, I can see it becoming kind of a, a, a very big piece of my life. And I, I just know how that fits into everything else that I have going on right now. But I do think that it's, it's important. And I think that it more than anything else, like, you know, example, my background being a triathlete and an endurance athlete, like, I think that this stuff has a lot more valuable real world applications than, you know, being able to run moderately fast for 20 something miles. <laughs> I'm sorry if the, I got a little noise outside here, but one of the things that I was um, rudely awakened to in terms of jujitsu, and I think that there's, I had a, a wrestling background in high school. I was not the best wrestler in high school, but I had a grappling background. So I, it wasn't completely foreign to me, but it was a strong reminder when I first got into jujitsu more seriously was the fact that like, you can do all the weightlifting and all the cardiovascular endurance and all the body weight movements that you want, but there's really not a lot of translation of those things to the mat when you're faced with a much higher skilled opponent, like somebody who knows how to fight or someone who knows how to, to grapple or somebody who's been in those situations before a thousand times, thousand, thousand times, a thousand times is going to take you apart piece by piece probably almost no matter their size. Like if you don't have those experiences, like you could be a 200 pound muscular dude, jacked as fuck. And you'll look at a 150 pound dude over here and be like, Oh, I fucked that guy up. You probably will not. That guy is going to break your shit in half. Like he gets a hold of your leg or he gets a hold of your arm. He gets a hold of your neck. It's game over. So, so I heard somebody recently talking about this and I cracked up because there's like, there's a lot of like probably, gym weekend warriors who go in and be like, Oh, I'm fine in a fight. Dude. I, I, I have, first of all, I have no business being in a fight, but the, the translation of fitness and raw strength and just into a fight without any skill is it's just not there. It's not there for a lot of people. Some people yeah. have natural raw power and you can get lucky, but when you're going against a skilled opponent, Oh, different ball. Well, it's just like anything, right? It's like, it's like learning jujitsu is like learning a language, learning how to defend yourself is like learning a new language. It's, it's very difficult and, and you, and it takes a lot of repetition and reps. And that's why Gabe, I appreciate your perspective. Like, dude, when we talk about this bridging the gap, I think that fitness NC fits goal, help people live freely and fully outside the gym. And we do a hell of a job of that. And meaning run after your kids, get off the toilet, all those different types of things. Those are all the things that we as a company and organization stand for. So you could go and go climb a mountain if you need to go swim with your kids where there becomes, uh, I guess not, not fringe cases, but additional cases is if you have a desire to learn these additional skills, it's like learning a new language. We're still teaching you English. Just, we're trying to teach it to you, uh, to be able to use, uh, you know, as, as applicable as possible. But now all of a sudden, if we're, if we're trying to teach you something, this new thing 
it takes a long time and a lot of reps. Uh, I think that people can go from not being able to, you know, live freely outside the gym to being able to much quicker than you could go from learning a whole new skill like jujitsu. Neither one is, I'm just saying like, when you make that commitment, it's a big commitment. And I've been doing it now for six years and I still feel like I have a long way to go, which is exciting and also like unmotivating at the same time in jujitsu. Well, I, sorry. I think one of the beautiful things about what we do at NC fit is that, yeah, we do give you this broad base of fitness. We give you this well that you can pull from to go do these other unknown activities that will give you a leg up in terms of just the general athleticism, yeah. the coordination, the accuracy, the kinesthetic awareness, Having those types of things is a huge asset on your side. Huge, huge asset. I'm just saying in terms of like being able to directly apply barbell curls to a jujitsu situation, they're completely different. And you're right. It's like a different language. It's, it's a whole different world. The learning curve in jujitsu is so fucking sharp and so long. It takes so long to remember these things and, and, and get a feel for it. And I, I really feel for people who come into it with, less athletic backgrounds than we might have come into it because like i can't imagine what somebody who doesn't know what to do with their body in any situation feels like sometimes on the mats you know it's a huge huge difference i have, I have a question for you guys how often is, is it like common for people to get like legitimately knocked uncon like choked unconscious in in a <laughs> class or during roles Wait, so I imagine there's a story behind this and I yes, want to hear it. There is, but, <laughs> I want the answer to that question first. I, I've been, like I said, I've been rolling for six years. I wrote a lot of people. Uh, I am, I have never seen in training, um, maybe at a competition I was at once or twice in training. I've never seen anyone get knocked unconscious, nor have I seen, I've seen some little issues here and there, nor have I seen a full submission go into attack and actually like break that person in training. I have not seen that personally. I don't know about you, MDV. Uh, I have, I, I actually, this happened to me a couple of months ago. I, I didn't get put out, but um, I was rolling with somebody who was a little bit too hesitant to tap. And I had that individual in a front head and arm choke, which is a strangulation choke uh blood choke and they went out they didn't tap and it was scary because i didn't know i was i was wrapped up on this person and at some point i was like this is tight this is in and i let go and they were out and they we had to put them on their back lift their feet but the only i've seen it happen with people who tap too late because you can feel this stuff coming on you think you might be able to escape and if you if you have any sort of ego involved in that, it, it's a bad choice because it, once it gets tight and the the walls start closing in, that's over, game over. You should tap right away. And in terms of joints, I have seen people either something come on too quickly or them not tap at the time they should have tapped and uh, ha have something give, which is unfortunate, but I think for me, you know, I tap early on a lot of things in relation to my joints. I'm just at that point where if somebody has an arm bar and it's fully sunk in and I know that I don't have a viable defense, I'm tapping. Also, somebody gets a hold of my ankle or my heel or my knee, I'm not going to try to wiggle my way out of an inside heel hook at this point in my career. Like I'm going to tap and then live to fight another day. Competition scenarios are completely different, but I have seen people go out in training. Yeah. So during the course, during day two, and this was fascinating to me because I had no knowledge that like blood chokes work this way. They were explaining to us that, A, it doesn't take long, right? Like no. it's, it's, it's very no. quick. But <laughs> the point they were trying to get across was that also, you know, it's not like Hollywood that you can like blood choke someone and then they like won't wake up for hours. Like they actually wake up pretty quickly. Like it'll take you know, six to eight seconds max to, for someone to knock out, but then it'll take the same amount of time, six to eight seconds before they wake up. And they actually asked for a volunteer in the class and someone no volunteered. Way. Did you volunteer me? No, absolutely not. I thought it was one of the scariest things ever to watch because like their eyes don't even close. Like their eyes are open, but they, they, like he was, he was out like, like a light, like he, he even like gave a snore before he woke back up. No way. But I mean, what the instructors were, were, were saying also is that, you know, this is 
it's it's not something that is in any way dangerous in that kind of like time span. But the point they were really trying to get across is that, you know, if you were in like an actual real fight scenario and you got a choke in, it's not like, oh, well, you know, now I can kind of relax. You know, people are going to wake back up and they're going to wake back up relatively, relatively quickly. And then a funny story. So the two male instructors that led the entire course, they were awesome. They were hilarious. So this guy, um, Iago and Steve, they've been friends for like 20 years. Like they were special forces in the army together and they had worked security at a bar together. And they were saying that that when they, when they started working security at this bar, what they would do once the bar closed and all the fights would break out is they would literally just choke everyone. And while one of them choked, the other one got him on handcuffs and it was, it was fine. It was like the safest thing to do. But when the owners found out, apparently they like freaked out that they were knocking out all the patrons, but they were doing what they knew to be like literally zero commotion, zero damage. No one gets hurt. One of them would choke them out. The other one would put handcuffs on. They would sit them down to the side until they calmed down. And they had some, some pretty good stories throughout the weekend, but that's how they would handle their bar security business. Because also people would like mess with them because they weren't, I mean, they were pretty big. But I could see guys at the bar being bigger and thinking that they could mess with them. But these guys are are black belts and special forces. Like they, you know, you're 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 messing with the wrong duo. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, Gabe or MDV. One of the things about um about these blood chokes and 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 submissions in general, um, if you do not have clean finishing mechanics, like if you are a newer athlete and you're relying on just your raw strength to try to just squeeze somebody's head off, right? Like you catch them in a, in a choke or strangulation or you have their back. And if you don't have solid finishing mechanics, man, you can burn out oh. your own squeeze so fast. And when you burn out your squeeze, and, and especially if this is like later in a round or if this is like- Demoralizing, right, MDV? No, first, first of all, so demoralizing. But second of all, how useless- you are at that point, like if you have somebody's head and you're squeezing and it's just not in, but you're like, all right, I'm just going to squeeze anyway to see what's up. Bad move because this person isn't one. They're not in, they're not in danger. They are fine. They might be uncomfortable on their head or their neck a little bit, but they're not, there's no blood cut off on either side of their neck. And then number two, when they pop out, they're relatively, they're, <laughs> they're relatively fresh and they're hyper pissed and you are exhausted. That's the worst situation to be in, man. I hate that. Yeah. That's when crazy. you roll with people that really know what they're doing, and this is a really, really great um, uh, point to make, you know, like I said, Gabe, I'm, I'm super stoked you took this course and you got, you know, your eyes open to just how much when someone learns these skills, then there's a certain level of skills. When you roll with people who are really, really skilled, I'm talking like like competitor high level, the nuances in their positions and their ability to get you in from an inch here to an inch there and the difference it makes is so profound. And the fact that they could do it with such ease, it just bothers me. You know, like when, when you roll with these really high level guys, they'll take their elbow from here to there and it makes literally the world of difference, but they need to have that just ingrained in their body because they've just rolled. They've done it so many times that they know what position to get into. They're even moving before their brain even tells them to move. They're already moving because they already know what to do. Um, and that's from that, you know, 10,000 hours on the mat, just like for us, you know, we know how to approach workouts with a specific intensity, technique, position. Now, if you kind of like take that, but you magnify it a little bit, uh, I think that's what happens with these experts on the mat. Now, I would recommend anybody who works out regularly, anybody, to go in and go find. We've talked about this a lot of times, but I just feel like maybe this is the episode that gets someone to at least go explore something new. And I'm not saying, look, NC Fit, we're great at what we do. You should utilize our app, crush our workouts in your garage. You should use NC Flex, get jacked. Hell yeah. In addition, you know, go pick up some skills outside the gym whether that's mountain biking, getting outdoors, or if you want to try jujitsu, go find a local school, go meet with the head coach, go pick up the vibe. And maybe if that vibe isn't right for you, go find somewhere else. But I mean, I, I definitely think you'll walk away from your first experience. And I guarantee you, you will say to yourself, I'm glad I at least experienced that. And maybe you don't want to do it again, but at least you've tried it. So that's my recommendation. One of the things about high level practitioners, which is 
awesome to watch. When you're watching somebody who's rolling high, a uh, high level practitioner, when they're rolling with somebody who's um, lower than them, less experienced, they have an awesome ability to regulate the role in any way, shape, or form that they want. They, they are completely in control at all times, for the most part. And they are responding to whatever the lower level practitioner is giving them. One of the coolest things that, I, that I'm watching when I'm seeing these guys roll or I'm observing from the side sometimes is like, it's almost like watching, there was a moment in Matt Frazier's career at the, at the CrossFit Games when he was on the floor in the final event. And he's like looking around at everybody else doing all this work around him. And he's just yeah. fucking standing there kind of chilling and all all of a sudden he goes all right it's time to turn it on right high level jujitsu practitioners one when they're rolling with somebody who's lower than them even if they're in a quote-unquote dangerous situation they're almost never in a dangerous situation they always can figure out how to manipulate their body out of it the other thing is that when they want to turn it on even if there's five seconds left in the round or whatever it is you notice a distinct difference all of a sudden they go all right it's time to stop fucking around and the submission just comes on so fast it's like yeah it just it is from, it's like frazier or froning like you know i remember a whole some different year, ball game. yeah it would piss me off because you know i'd be competing with froning and i'd be like you know kind of finding my groove doing my thing and he'd just be looking around you know waiting for that moment where he and you know it brings it brings up a good analogy uh of the ferrari analogy I, i've shed, said this before but i think it's, I, I think it's a great analogy for this particular situation my goal when I was competing at the CrossFit Games was always to be a, a Ferrari and not a Honda Civic. No disrespect to anybody who drives a Civic. Keep rocking and rolling, baby. But when you're a Ferrari, your top-end horsepower is, let's just say, I don't know, 1,000, right? And your top-end speed is, let's just say, 250. When you're in a Civic, your horsepower is whatever, and your top-end speed's 100. Uh, what's nice is that the Ferrari could be at, you know, 80% of its potential and still be ahead of everybody else. And then when they're ready, they still have an extra gear left to kick it up. And so that's kind of a good translation in jiu-jitsu where when you develop these skills, it's not so much about strength conditioning. It is, that's definitely a factor in CrossFit. It's obviously a major factor, but in jiu-jitsu, it's more of like the skill bank in your head. If you're a Ferrari in your head, you know, you're, you're cruising at like a, you know, a, a, a mediocre Porsche speed. And then all of a sudden you could bump it up. So my goal and everybody's goal should be to be the Ferrari in the room because uh, anyways, you got more left in the tank. It's just super impressive to watch those guys, to, to know that they are always in control. Sometimes I'll be catching, like I'll be watching a role that one of my coaches is in and they'll, they're against a pretty high level opponent, like a, a high level purple belt or even like, you know, and they just like smile at me and wink. And they're just like, they're just so calm and so at ease in a situation that is like obviously so intense for me watching, I'm like, oh shit, like he's just chilling. He's just sitting there. He's like, hey, how you doing? Welcome to class. Like, all right, I'm going to roll through this and then do whatever I want. <laughs> so, so Gabe, go ahead. Well, I've, I have another question for you guys. And now I blanked on it. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, aside from obviously, we've talked a lot about <laughs> jujitsu and, and, and the combat side and, and, and whatnot and your experience at uh, Sheepdog. But what else? So, I mean, obviously, you're shooting and doing different things, but is there anything else that comes to mind that kind of stood out of the course and, you know, recommendations for taking it? Well, I mean, I, a, I think that if anyone, you, you guys definitely check out just sheepdog response and what they offer. They have a whole bunch of really cool content on the, we are not sponsored channel. or paid by them, by the way. Yeah, we're not. I just thought it was, it was a really cool experience. And if you're in any way interested in that stuff, I think that they're, they're definitely worth um, the investment, but I, I, Going back to what I mentioned before, I thought it was really interesting to see just a lot of the same things that we talk about in running a class as a coach, like really see those stand out for me as like me having a great experience and me also seeing things that I wish they would have done a little bit better. And, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about, and this specifically happened at, at the shooting range. And again, I think overall it was a, a really good course. We really enjoyed ourselves, but the balance of kind of too much downtime and, you know, a little loose with timeline on the second half of the day became apparent enough that like me and Ariel kind of like talked about it. We were like, you know, I wish we weren't like sitting around this much. And, you know, it, the whole weekend was kind of like, you know, a little bit laid back. And again, the instructors were super cool. And there were a couple people taking the course that definitely enjoyed a lot more than, some of the others just literally like talking, like I want to spend time talking to MDV, 
like a hero's experience, hero's stories. Because again, they were really interesting people that have done a little bit of everything. But for some people, and you could tell, especially if you know what to look for, and me and Ariel kind of fell in this group, we were starting to get, I wouldn't even say frustrated because we were, we were still having a good time, but it was kind of like, you know, like I, I, I want to move on to the next drill. Like I, I feel like we're just sitting around. And I think that that's something that, you know, MBV, you brought this up before. Like there are so many coaches in our space, especially that, you know, you might have your circle that really do enjoy chatting up with you and talking to you. But like, you have to be aware that even if there's just one member outside of the circle that is literally standing there with the PVC or the barbell, like, when are we going on to the next thing? Like, it's it's not an ideal experience. And, and we literally experienced that firsthand. And I thought it was interesting because like, we, we almost know what to look for. Um, and it's stuff we talk about all the time. And again, like if I were to rate the class, you know, I would probably give it a nine out of 10 with that being what would have given it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, that, I mean, that's so key. We, we do talk about it a lot in terms of what we do on the floor at NC Fit and our philosophy on coaching. This high level awareness when you're running a group through some sort of experience where you have to be keen to the fact that, yeah, we do want to have some downtime in order to either transition or not have our foot on the gas the whole time, or if we're going to take some time to explain something. But in those moments, you can't let people become lost or continue to move around or you know, get too far from where we're going. And then all of a sudden, I think that there's the trap that some people fall into in terms of that like more casual type of feel is some people are having a really great time in the casual environment where you know they're engaging with you, they're in it for the story, they're there, they're like, oh man, I can't wait to hear the next angle on the story that you're telling us. But then there's a probably a portion of people who are sitting around and be like, all right, well, I fucking came to class today to work out and move around. So I don't necessarily want to hear it all this time. I appreciated the little joke and the punchline, but now let's get back to business. I think coaches in general, my opinion, definitely need to be high level aware about that scenario for sure. Yeah, Gabe, I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. I think it's a really great analogy because you go to this new course and you pick up on similar things that happen within our gyms on a daily basis. And um, having that awareness, I think is step number one, because you might have a group like where everybody is vibing. They want to hear the stories about, you know, being, you know, overseas or whatever it may be. Right. Or maybe everybody's in the class and you're telling a story about your weekend. Everybody's engaged. But if there's a few people that don't seem engaged, you just have to be aware enough about that. And more times than not, I imagine, at least from my experience, more times than not, the class is there for a singular purpose. It's to get in a great workout, have fun and learn something new. Right. But they're, they're there for a great workout. They're not there to hear about your story of how you ate 42 chicken wings at the Super Bowl, right? You might be able to briefly tell a joke, yo, guys. But then if you belabor on about this, people are sitting there like, and you can see it, right? I mean, I take class daily and you can see like the class starts kind of moving around a little bit. They start stretching a little bit. That's a telltale sign. We got to go. We got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Yeah. And I think for, for coaches out there who are listening to this podcast or owners out there who are listening, like. It's a tough balance to strike for somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of experience because you don't, you certainly don't want the experience to be completely devoid of any sort of humor or obviously charisma and presence and attitude. Those are huge parts of it. But when they overtake the experience and they go a bridge too far and now they're interfering with what the members are actually there for, that's too much on the kind of uh, charisma side, too much on the story side, too much on the joke and entertainment side. You have to always remember, you got to balance. It's a dichotomy of those two things. Dichotomy, baby. Hey, speaking of, uh, this has nothing to do with dichotomy of leadership, but uh, we are on day 39. I have to, I have to, we have to finish out this conversation talking about EOE 40 and the fact that we're on day 39 today. And I have what today and tomorrow to then finish up uh, with, uh, you know, our, our nutrition and, and movement, all these different things. And I definitely want um, on our next episode to maybe focus a little more on lessons, learns and things like that, but maybe we could just kind of talk about where we're at. You know, where I'm at is I, I definitely will be incorporating uh, some of these things in my life, like indefinitely for sure. Uh, in particular, the ones that, that really leave a lasting impression on me is how much incorporating fruit has impacted my gut health. Uh, I never ate fruit beforehand ever. And I've found that eating fruit just makes me feel really, really good. 
and then the other thing I would say is um, waking up extra early. Like it's really made a big impact on my life because what happens is I'm able to front load my day. So I'm up at five now today and I'm able to get a lot of work done. And then you have guys in different areas of the country or we even have some business going on in the UK. I'm able to work with those people in the mornings and it helps me spend a little bit more quality time with the family as the day goes on because I've front loaded so much work in the beginning of the day. So that's been really profound for me. I just thought I'd share that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not gonna snack again. I mean, it just it's it. I've I've broken the habit. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where because of the challenge now, and Ariel makes fun of me. Like I would consider anything that was eating outside of me, like sitting down for my meal, snacking. So like you know, to the point where even if we're just cooking, getting stuff together, like I wouldn't you know throw a little piece of cheese in my mouth or you know the tomatoes as I cut them. Like I was just. Hey, no, that's snacking. I'm not doing it like that stuff. I'll probably ease off on a little bit. Cause I was just more trying to keep it very black and white to what I had committed to. But like, you know, me just as a habit, like going to the pantry after this call, which I definitely would have done in the past and grabbing a couple pistachios and like a piece of jerky, I just don't need to anymore. Um, and I think that now I'm definitely having a much different, um, approach to my meals that makes that easier. Like I really, when I eat, I, I make sure that I eat and I eat plenty of food and I'm not doing any sort of like intermittent fasting right now. Like I have a pretty big breakfast, then I have a pretty big lunch around midday after I work out and then I have dinner, but like, that's it. And I, I'll have something after dinner, um, you know, cause I do have a little bit of sweet tooth. I'll have like some Greek yogurt, some granola, but it's all kind of a part of that meal. And then I won't go back to the fridge afterwards. And it's just been, it's been good. I've, um, I don't think I've, I haven't been weighing myself, but the before and after pictures definitely changes in body composition just by taking away the snacking, um, feel good in the gym and digestion, which, you know, Jason, to, to, um, your point of gut health, one of the things that definitely improves gut health and digestion is minimizing snacking. And not making sure that you're just like constantly putting food into your system. Um, but instead you're like, all right, we're eating, we're digesting, and then we're taking a break until we eat and digest again. Um, is something that, you know, I, I know to be important and I've, I've felt the difference. So yeah, I'm excited to keep that going. Um, early mornings have always been a thing. Um, you know, I don't think the phone's going to come back in the bedroom. I have a really, really good routine of, you know, downloading some um, articles to read on my tablet. Uh, that doesn't have blue light. It's like a e-reader thing. And then I'll read those until I fall asleep, but the phone doesn't come in. So yeah, I think it's been some good changes that I, I don't see myself really going back to. I won't be as strict about the snacking thing, but definitely won't go back to what things were before we started. That's really cool to hear. I'm, I'm really excited for you guys that you found things, you know, obviously within you guys have lives that were pretty optimized prior and, you know, th finding something that you can take and hold on to through this challenge and beyond is really, really awesome. And I, I know that a lot of people, and Jason, I'm sure you get DMs. I got DMs, Gabe, I'm sure you get some too there, that people are just excited about finding some new habits to hold on to. And the power of these challenges, like we said from the start, was not necessarily the changes that were going to happen across the 40 days. It was figuring out, hey, what are some of these things that are working for me that I want to now integrate as habits long term? One of the things for me that I was really excited about at the start of the challenge and was really, really excited to continue on throughout the challenge was the Clean Sync Club. I've had a few people reach out to me the entire time with their pictures of their Clean Sync, which has been awesome. And I had a couple of people more recently reach out and said that this was the hardest aspect of the challenge for them the entire time because they got to a breaking point where it was like, hey, I stayed up a little bit too late. I was watching a movie on the couch and there was dishes in the sink and it was the last fucking thing that I wanted to do in the world was to go and clean the dishes and they went and did it, which is really awesome. For me, this is going to be the one that I think I'll continue on with for sure. I was never like a pile of the dishes in the sink until they like reach the ceiling kind of guy. But I was definitely like if we cooked in pans or pots or stuff like that, I was a I was a let them soak guy. I was a let them let soak. Gotta let them soak. But um you know for me that ultimately was just an excuse of not putting the hot water and soap into the, the dish that night and maybe returning to it a half an hour later, an hour later when the oils and the grease and stuff had broken down and then washing it and cleaning it and put it in away. And for me, when I wake up and I come into the kitchen in the morning and I'm going to go make a cup of coffee, there's nothing more satisfying than just seeing like a completely clean sink in a clean kitchen and not waking up and looking at something going, 
oh, fuck, now I got to do that. And that's the first thing you wake up to. So that was the power of that for me. The one aspect of this challenge, I could have done a little bit of a better job, I think, in terms of my planning was my 445 wake-ups. I've kind of gone back and forth in terms of, am I going to wake up at 445 or am I going to go the 40 minutes to bed earlier? I've just found more recently, as I've, especially if I've gotten towards the end of this challenge, I am needing more sleep. So I am getting to bed earlier and sleeping past 445, not extremely late, 530 for me, but that's still not where I started this challenge at, where I said every day was going to be 445. I had the wiggle room to say, all right, I'm going to put 40 minutes back into my sleep by going to bed earlier. And I think for me, that was the best choice. So that's where I'm at right now, knowing that I got to optimize my sleep. You know, some other things that I definitely want to dive into in the future. Um, I ordered uh, yesterday a sauna and I have a cold plunge uh, and maybe an ice barrel both coming. And I, I'm definitely going to start one of the things that, and I want to talk about this more on the show. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, my, uh, my daughter has been having some, some challenges with, with different things and kids have challenges. You know, she, she's 10, 11 years old. She's starting to hit that kind of weird age where, you know, I'm curious, uh, I'm going to explore the cold for myself and I'm curious how to explore that for my children and see if that helps them with breathing techniques, mental health and different areas. And I'll, I'll keep you guys updated as we do this. I'm going to do it in a very like, like conservative way. I'm just sharing that those are two things that I'm literally looking into now is more hot, cold therapy and the impacts that could have on mindset, mood, and overall mental health. That's very important as, as I shift. So this last 40 days have been about what it's been about, which is great. Uh, now the next you know, thing that I'm kind of focused on is how do I make the entire family optimize their mental health, feel good throughout the duration of the day? Um, and I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. I'll let you guys know when I get it in too. Yeah. You got to check out Andrew Huberman stuff. Um, he's like my favorite when it comes to especially stuff about like uh, cold immersion um, and like the real like concrete objective science behind it. Um, he's great. And he, he doesn't, you know, he gives it to you, you know, very smart guy, the science says this, this is what we know. This is what we maybe know. Um, and I find his stuff super, super interesting. And he always has interesting takes on it. Huberman lab. Yeah. The Huberman lab. Yeah. Definitely you know, check he's, up out. In, he's up in Stanford. So I'm mm -hmm. going to have to, I'm going to have to reach out to him and just see. So um, yeah, man. I, hey, like, look, this, this show, this podcast is just about sharing what we're doing, sharing what's on our minds. And, and I think that there's a pivot happening for me where I'm spending, uh, you know, I, I have realized these last 40 days, some things have really been working for me and I'm going to keep continue on with them because I feel excellent. Um, but what else, what other, what other areas can we optimize? Let's try it out. So, um, all right. Well, that being said, uh, we launched a new app. So this, this episode will be released about a week after we launched our new, uh, up, updated NC fit app. And for anybody listening, if you're a gym owner or coach and you haven't checked out the NC fit collective, I mean, that, that for me is, is, a, is a baseline that every gym should be having. We're putting out the world's best session plans and programming because we actually implement it in our gyms and we roll it out through gyms all over the world. So if you haven't at least tried it, check it out. If you're an athlete, you're in your garage, you're getting after it, you're loving these conversations, learning something new, you definitely need to check out the NC Fit app. We have three main programs that are incredible. NC Flex, which uh, our boy MDV uh, oftentimes does those without a shirt on, oftentimes. Um, NC flex is our version of bodybuilding. It's incredible. Uh, we also have NC Metcon and NCX. Those are the, the programs that we do in our gyms every day. I regularly do them as well. And for those practicing jujitsu who are interested, our NCX program is a great supplement to what you're doing on the mat. So make sure you guys check out the NC fit app. It's available on Apple and the new interface is badass. Uh, guys, any, any closing remarks? I think uh, you, I think you summed it up really nicely there about the the programs and where we're at right now. And the app is looking super sexy. You know, my my um, my take on the jujitsu and fitness conversation. I think we should have one. I think we should talk about how we have experimented with different types of training and how we're blending the two. It can be really really challenging when you have this thing that you go and do three or four times a week, which is very intense. And especially if you're coming from like a CrossFit or functional training background, and you were doing that maybe three, four, five times a week. And that was very intense. Figuring out how do you balance and blend the two can be challenging. Or if you are a jujitsu practitioner and you're thinking about how to influence or get fitness into your life or the opposite, you're a fitness practitioner, you want jujitsu in your life. I think we should have that conversation. I'm going to say NCX is great. Also NC Flex can be really great 
for implementing or supplementing your jujitsu as well, because we're working with a lot of odd objects there. You're still getting a lot of strength in, and then you're able to focus on different aspects of your body, whether it's lower body, upper body, push, pull, squat, hinge, and very specifically pull parts and pieces. So we have two amazing programs that you can supplement your jujitsu with. And that's my hot take for the day. Thank you guys. You guys crushed it. I use the NC fit app every single day for my training. I'm a little bit more probably all over the place than these guys, but that's what I love about it. Like every day I open up the app, I look at what Metcon compete conditioning X and flex have going on. And I either pick one or mix all of them. And I've gotten to a place in my training where that just feels best for me. I don't feel like I need to be like, Hey, I need to do this on this day, this cycle. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And, and, that's, I think, one of the benefits of, of the app is that you have a lot of options. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. I'm enjoying it. All right, everybody. Well, hey, I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you guys for helping us get over 1 million downloads on this podcast. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you so much for helping us get there. Would appreciate leaving a rating, leaving a review. Hit us up on social media and make sure you and your family are keep getting after it in the gym and outside the gym. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.